goes. Um, well, I'm doing an evening recording tonight, which is very different for me. I usually do, uh, you know, like mid-morning, afternoon recordings, as you're probably all aware by my constant ramblings about the time of day and the day of the week. Um, oh, the chapter notes. This chapter, for some reason, seems to be full of the little things that need extra sort of bits of knowledge. Uh, so I'm going to drop some wisdom on all of y'alls. Um, so uh, in this next chapter, well, let me, let's first talk about what happened last time. Um, Marianne got a letter from Willoughby at last, but the letter was astonishing. Uh, he said, you know, I never loved you, essentially. And she's violently unhappy. Um, Eleanor is also upset. Her sister was imprudent, at the very least. And Willoughby's a scoundrel, at the very least. So, um, Eleanor's upset. Marianne's upset. Um, yeah, m much goings-on in the last chapter. Okay, so in this chapter, we're gonna use the expression... Give him a dressing, or give him such a dressing. Um, so this is a phrase, dressing or dressing down, um, which means to scold or to chastise. Um, uh, the derivation of this, so far as I can find on the internet, seems to be a sailing thing. Um, dressing down um, mean to, like, demote in rank. Uh, so, you know, you, you got demoted from your post because you're so naughty. Uh, so it's a big scolding. Um, uh, so that's dressing down or dressing as I'll just refer to it. Uh, ch -ch -ch. Okay, here we go. Uh, love child. I assume we all know this one, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention it because, you know, sometimes, you know, I grew up in a house full of idioms and experiences other expressions and f phrases and words that apparently are very out of date with the vernacular. You know, like things that I grew up very used to saying, like the Sword of Damocles. I find out that none of my peers know at all what I'm talking about when I was in junior high. Um, but to me, was a perfectly natural expression. My parents apparently like out-of-date English. I don't know what that is all about. But anyway, um, so... Yeah, so that's probably why I'm like, I'm going to just double check that we are all on the same page because everyone's on different pages and that is okay. There is no need in this day and age to know what a love child is um, or any of these other words. That's why we, we're doing this together, unpicking Jane Austen uh, together. So, um, yes. Okay, now that I've set that up... Um, Right! Love child! Love child is um, someone born out of wedlock uh, because, you know, the cute derivation of this is that it is a child born of a love arrangement rather than a proper marriage, you know, implying that marriages have no love in them. Um, so uh, in Jane Austen, we've also seen this referred to as a natural child, which is a little more... Um, delicate of a way of putting it than love child. I think especially in Jane Austen's era, um, technically the term love child did exist, but when we've seen it referenced by other people, they, they put it in as natural daughter 
or natural son. And here, uh, in this instance, Mrs. Jennings is just going to say, love child. And I think it's going to be rather shocking. Um, anyway, uh, let's see. Um, next is a dove coat. Uh, dove hyphen C-O-T-E. I assume that's coat. Uh, that is apparently a little, like, roosting house for doves. Like, you would keep, um, pigeons or, uh, chickens, I assume, uh, for the eating. And uh, they were a part of normal fare in this day and age. Uh, or extravagant fare. Um, the English love to eat their little birds, I, I mean, birds are nice. I do like eating birds. I am probably more fond of eating birds than I am of, like, the big game, but I don't know. I, I have this, I have this, like, very wary relationship with meat. Um, I'm not, I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not a vegan. Please don't assume that because that is so not me. Um, but I, I really, my personal stance is I will only eat meat that has been raised for eating like I don't eat meat that I consider unnatural I know I know so much judgment you guys I can feel your judgment even though nobody's even listening to this yet as I'm recording it I can feel your future judgment and future Elizabeth is blushing as well as present Elizabeth but I will only eat meat that I uh has been raised to be intended to be killed it feels weird eating meat that's not now so a dove coat sounds like they are raising these doves to be eaten in which case i suppose i would consider eating them like that would almost jive with my idea of meats that are allowed to be eaten but i also feel a little weird about eating eating meats that aren't i don't know i <laughs> we're gonna move on from what meats i eat and what meats i don't eat um stew pond uh there's she mentions a stew pond which apparently is a fish pond like i don't know why you'd call it a stew pond what 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 is this word why are you calling it that i looked it up and i don't even know a good reason but she calls it a stew pond she means a fish pond no idea why if someone wants to look that up and message me it's usually my sister that would be great because why mrs jennings why okay um, here we go. There, she uses a, a phrase. Yay, phrases. I sometimes, I just love these. I have a friend, um, who is Austrian and we compared phrases and she's just such a, well, first of all, she's an absolute delight in all respects, but she was so fun to talk phrases with because she would translate them to English and then we would just both laugh, like phrases from, from German. And then we would both just laugh at how silly they sounded and how they just made no sense. And some of them she could not even explain, like, what it meant in English. <laughs> like, it was so obscure. And it was hilarious. And I, that's why I love learning idioms from all regions and cultures. Like, idioms say so much about who a culture is. You know, like, like, in English we have cherry picking. And I think in German she said they have raisin picking. And, you know, it just, that just it's just a little... It's just a little different, but it says something about, you know, what fruit is available in the region and what type of picking people feel is overpicking. Okay, I'm moving on. Anyway, this phrase is one shoulder of mutton, as you know, drives another down. 
All right. So apparently there's a French saying that's somewhat similar, and I found one in Spanish that's somewhat similar. The one in French means um, eating will bring on an appetite. Um, so the idea here is is that doing the thing will get you to start enjoying the thing. So a, one shoulder of mutton, like you force yourself to eat a shoulder of mutton and it drives the other down. So once you've got one down, you can get the other down. I don't know. It's it's a little weird to unpack like that, but um, yeah. So, uh, uh, I will mention more specifically what she's intending when we get there, because I don't want to like. Mm, mm. Yeah, I'll do it when we get there. Okay, other chapter notes. Where are we? Uh, uh, Constantina wine is a wine that is mentioned. Um, it is a sweet wine, apparently. They make it in South Africa. Sounds delicious. I love sweet wine. Oh. Um, I introduced my friend recently to brandy, and we both drank, like, half a bottle of brandy between the two of us over a period of five days, which isn't that much, but it's also a lot. And brandy's so delicious, you guys. Any sweet wine is. And this wasn't very sweet brandy, but just in general, wine is the best. I had wine at dinner. I'm not buzzed, if that's what you're thinking. No, this is just me. Um, this is me in the evenings. In the evenings, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm a little more rambly and a little less, like, um, I'm making hand signs. That's probably not helpful. But yeah, like, I'm definitely a morning person, you guys. Like, I'm, I'm cool-headed and reasonable in the morning, as I ever am. And in the evenings, I get a little more just like, woo! And then I coast down into, like, about 10 o'clock, and then I hit a brick wall, and I'm, like, dead. So that is me. Uh, so we're going to make sure we don't keep this recording going that late. Um, next, we're going to talk about, they, they mentioned a stationer's shop in Paul Mall, P-A-L-L space M-A-L-L, which is a fashionable street in the west end of London, uh, where one go shopping at apparently a stationer's shop, since that's what's directly mentioned in the story. Okay, those are all the chapter notes. Wow, 10 minutes of chapter notes. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get started today, with or this evening. I guess this evening is still today. I didn't need to correct myself. And uh, chapter 8, guys. Mrs. Jennings came immediately to their room on her return, and without waiting to have her request of admittance answered, opened the door and walked in with a look of real concern. "'How do you do, my dear?' she said in a voice of great compassion to Marianne, who turned her face away without attempting an answer. "'How is she, Miss Dashwood? Poor thing! She looks very bad! No wonder I but is too true! He is to be married very soon! A good-for-nothing fellow! I have no patience with him! Mrs. Taylor told me of it half an hour ago, and she was told of it by a particular friend of Miss Gray herself, else I was sure I would not have believed it. I am almost ready to sink as it was. Well, all I can say is that if it was true, he has used a young lady of my acquaintance abominably ill, and I wish with all my soul his wife may plague her heart, his heart out. <laughs> 
and I shall always say so, my dear. You may depend on it. I have no notion of men's going on in this way, and if ever I meet him again, I will give him such a dressing as he has not had in many a day. I will give him... No, that's the same sentence. But there is one comfort, my dear Miss Marianne. He is not the only young man in the world worth having. With your pretty face, you will never want for admirers. Well, poor thing, I won't disturb her any longer, for she had better have her cry at once and be done with it. The pars, Parisons and Sandersons, luckily, are coming tonight, you know, and that will amuse her. She then went away, walking on tiptoe out of the room, as if she supposed her young friend's affliction could be increased by noise. Marianne, to the surprise of her sister, determined on dining with them. Eleanor even advised her against it, but no, she would go down, she would bear it very well, and the bustle would be less. The bustle about her would be less. Eleanor, pleased to have her governed for the moment by such a motive, though believing it hardly possible that she should sit out the dinner, said no more, and adjusting her dress for her as well as she could while Marianne still remained on the bed, she was ready to assist her to the dining-room as soon as they were summoned to it. When there, though looking most wretchedly, she ate more and was calmer than her sister had expected. Had she tried to speak, or had she been noticed by half of Mrs. Jennings' well-meant but ill-judged attentions to her, this calmness could not have been maintained. But not a syllable escaped her lips, and the abstraction of her thoughts preserved her in ignorance of everything that was passing before her. Eleanor, who did justice to Mrs. Jennings' kindness, though its effusions were often distressing and sometimes almost ridiculous, made those acknowledgments and returned her civilities, which her sister could not make a return for herself. Their good friend saw Marianne was unhappy and felt everything was due to her that might make her less so. She tre was treated, therefore, with all the indul indulgent fondness of a parent towards a favorite child on the last of its holidays. Marianne was to have the best place by the fire, was tempted to be eat by every delicacy in the house, to be amused by the relation of all the news of the day. Had Eleanor had not Eleanor, in the sad countenance of her sister, seen a check to all the mirth, she would have been entertained by Mrs. Jennings' endeavors to cure a disappointment in love by varying variety of sweetmeats and olives and a good fire. As soon, however, as the consciousness of all this was forced by continual repetition of Marianne, she could stay no longer. With a hasty exclamation of misery, and a sign to her sister not to follow, she directly got up and hurried out of the room. "'Poor soul,' said Mrs. Jennings as soon as she was gone. "'How it grieves me to see her. "'I declare that if she's gone away with nothing without finishing her wine, "'and the dried tears, cherries too, Lord, nothing seems to do her any good. "'I'm sure if I knew of anything she should like, I would send all over town for it. "'Well, it is the oddest thing to me that a girl should use such a pretty girl— "'a man should use such a pretty girl so ill.' But when there's plenty of money on one side and next to none on the other, Lord bless you, they care no more about such things. The lady, then, Miss Gray, I think you called her, is very rich. Fifty thousand pounds, my dear! Did you ever see her? A smart, stylish girl, they say, but not handsome. I remember her aunt very well, Betty Hinshaw. She married a very wealthy man, but the family are rich altogether. Fifty! thousand pounds and by all accounts it won't come before it's wanted for they say he is all to pieces uh that could have been in the chapter note uh he is all to pieces meaning he uh he's um he's broke he's skint to use a 
English phrase that I rather like. Um, and so he's all to pieces. No wonder, dashing about with his curricle and hunters, well, it won't signify talking, but when a young man, be who he who he will, comes to make love to a pretty girl and promises marriage, he has no business to fly off from his word only because he grows poorer and the rich girl was ready to have him. Why don't he, in such a case, sell his horses, let out his house, turn off his servants, and make a thorough reform at once? I warned you, Miss Marianne would have to been ready to wait till matters come round but that won't do nowadays nothing in the way of pleasure can ever be given up by young men in this age do you know what kind of a girl miss gray is is she said to be amiable i never heard any harm of her indeed i hardly ever heard her mentioned except when miss taylor did say this morning that one day miss walker hinted to her that she believed mr and mrs ellison would not be sorry to have miss gray married for she and mrs mrs ellison could never agree and who are the Ellisons? Her guardians, my dear. But now she is of age and may choose for herself. And a pretty choice she has made. What now? Pausing after a moment. Your poor sister has gone up to her own room, and I suppose to moan by herself. Is there nothing one could get to comfort her? Poor dear, it seems quite cruel to let her be alone. Well, by and by she shall have a few friends, and we will amuse her a little. What should we play at? She hates whist, I know, but there's no game that she cares for. Dear ma'am, this kindness is quite unnecessary. Marianne, I dare say, will not leave her room again this evening. I shall persuade her, if I can, to go early to bed, for I'm sure she wants rest. Ay, that will be best for her, I believe. Let her name her own supper and go to bed. Lord, no wonder she's been looking so bad and so cast down this last week or two. For this matter, I suppose, has been hanging over her head as long as that. And so the letter that came today finished it. Poor soul, I am sure if I had a notion of it, I would not have joked with her about it for all my money. But then, you know, how should I guess such a thing? I made sure of its being nothing but a comp love letter and you know young people like to be laughed at about them <laughs> lord how concerned sir john and my daughters will be when they hear of it if i had my senses about me i might have called in at conduit street on my way home and told them of it but i shall see them to-morrow it would be unnecessary i'm sure for you to caution mrs palmer and sir john against ever naming mr willoughby or making the slightest allusion as to what passed before my sister their own good nature must point out to them the real cruelty of appearing to know anything when she about it when she is present and the less that may ever be said to myself on the subject the more my feelings will be spared as you dear madam will easily believe oh lord yes i do indeed it must be terrible for you to hear it talked of and for your sister i am sure i would not mention a word about it to her for the world you saw i did not at all dinner mention no, no, I did not at all at dinner time. No more would Sir John nor my daughters, for they're all very thoughtful and considerate, especially if I give them a hint, as I certainly will. For my part, I think the less that is said about such a thing, the better. The sooner tis blown over and forgot. And what good does that talking ever do, you know? In this affair, it can only do more harm, more so, perhaps, in many cases of similar kind, for it has been attended by circumstances which, for the sake of everyone concerned in it, made it unfit to become the public conversation. I will do this justice to Mr. Willoughby. He has broken no positive engagement with my sister. "'Law, my dear, don't defend him. 
Don't no positive engagement indeed. After taking her all over Alum House and fixing on the very rooms and they were to live in hereafter? For Eleanor Eleanor, for her sister's sake, could press the subject no further, and she hoped it was not required of her for Willoughby's, since, though Marianne might not might lose much, he could gain very little by the enforcement of the real truth. After a short silence on both sides, Mrs. Jennings, with her all her natural hilarity, burst forth again. "'Well, my dear, tis a true saying about an ill wind, for it will be all the better for Colonel Brandon. He will have her at last. Aye, that he will, mind me, now if they aren't married by midsummer. Lord, how he'll chuckle over this news. I hope he'll come tonight. It would be a one... It will be all to one a better match for your sister. Two thousand a year without debt or drawback, except a little love child. Indeed, I, I had forgot about her, but she may be pretended princed out. That would have been a good chapter note, but I totally missed it myself. Princed. I assume she meant apprenticed out. Sure, why not? She was, she could be apprenticed out. Why not? Yeah, that makes sense. I'd go with that. You buy that? I buy that. She may be penced out at all at small cost, and then what does that signify? Delaford is a nice place. I can tell you exactly what I call a nice, old-fashioned place, full of comforts and conveniences, quite shut in with great garden walls that are covered with the best fruit trees in the country, and such a mulberry tree in one corner. Lord, how Charlotte and I did stuff the only time we were there. And there's the dovecote and some delightful stew ponds and a very pretty canal and everything, in short, that one could wish for. Moreover, it's close to the church and only a quarter of a mile from the turnpike road. So it is never dull, for you may only go up and sit in an old yew arbor beyond the house and you will see all the carriages that pass along. Oh, tis a nice place. A butcher hard by in the village and the parsonage house within a stone's throw. To my fancy, a thousand times prettier than Barton Park, when they are forced to s send three miles for their meat, and have not a neighbor nearer than your mother. Oh, well, I shall sprint up to the colonel as soon as I can. One shoulder of mutton, you know, drives another down. If we can but, if we can but put Willoughby out of her head. Okay, so there's the expression I said we'd get back to later. Uh, so here she's, she's saying that Essentially, that since she was disappointed by Willoughby, she will now take Brandon. Um, that's how she's using that expression to mean that, you know, now that she's been forced to have a love that didn't pan out, she'll accept a love that is not quite so lovely. I don't know. It sounds like an awful thing. Um, but I swear I Googled it. I, I, I know that. That that's what the other people on the online world say she means. And when has the online world ever lied to us, guys? Ever. Never. Never, ever. So, um, yes. And uh, did you all catch that little love child note that was kind of buried in the midst of all that talkity talk? Yeah. We're going to have to come back to that. Aye, if we can do but that, ma'am said Eleanor, we shall do very well with or without Colonel Brandon. And then rising, she went away to join Marianne, whom she found, as she expected, in her own room, leaning in silent misery over the small remains of a fire which, till Eleanor's entrance, had been her only light. "'You had better leave me,' was all the notice that her sister received from her. 
I will leave you, said Eleanor, if you will go to bed. But this, from the momentary perverseness of impatient suffering, she at first refused to do. Her sister's earnest, though gentle persuasion, however, soon softened her complacent compliance, and Eleanor saw her lay her aching head on the pillow, and saw her, as she hoped, in a way to get some quiet rest before she left her. In the drawing-room, whither she repaired, she was soon joined by Mrs. Jennings, with a wine-glass full of something in her hand. "'My dear,' she said, entering, "'I have just recollected that I have some of the finest old Constantine of wine in the house that was ever tasted, so I brought a glass of it for your sister.' My poor husband, how fond he was of it, whenever he had a touch of his old colicky gout. He said it did him more good than anything else in the world. Do take it to your sister. Dear ma'am, replied Eleanor, smiling at the difference of complaints for which it was recommended. How good you are, but I have just left Marion in bed, and I hope almost asleep, and I think nothing will be so much of service to her as rest if you will give me leave— I will drink the wine myself. Mrs. Jennings, though regretting she had not been five minutes earlier, was satisfied with the compromise, and Eleanor, as she swallowed the chief of it, reflected that, though the good effects on a colicky gout were at present of little importance to her, its healing powers on a disappointed heart might be reasonably tried on herself as well as her sister. Colonel Brandon came in while the party were at tea, and by his manner of looking round the room for Marianne, Eleanor immediately fancied that he neither expected nor wished to see her there, and, in short, he was already aware of what occasioned her absence. Mrs. Jennings was not struck by the same thought, for soon after his entrance she walked across the room to the little tea-table where Eleanor presided, and whispered, "'The Colonel looks as grave as ever you see. He knows nothing of it. Do tell him, my dear.' He shortly afterwards drew a chair close to her, and, with a look which perfectly aroused her of his good information, inquired after her sister. "'Marianne is not well,' she said. "'She has been indisposed all day, and we have persuaded her to go to bed.' "'Perhaps, then,' he hesitantly replied, "'what I have heard this morning may be. There may be more truth in it than I could believe possible at first. "'What did you hear?' that a gentleman, whom I had reason to think, in short, a man who I knew to be engaged. But how shall I tell you? If you know it already, as surely you must, I may be spared. You mean, answered Eleanor with forced calmness, Mr. Willoughby's marriage with Miss Gray. Yes, we do know it all. This seems to have been a day of general— Ooh, that one's a tricky one. General elucidation. <laughs> Fuck you, phonetics. I have Google. For this very morning, it was first un. Oh, right. It's it's Eleanor. For this very morning, it was first unfolded to us. Mister Willoughby is unfathomable. Where did you hear it? In a stationer's shop in Pall Mall, where I had business. Two ladies were waiting for their carriage. One of them was giving the other an account of the intended match in a voice so little attempting concealment that it was impossible for me to not hear all the name of willoughby john willoughby frequently repeated first caught my attention and what followed was a positive assertion that everything was now finally settled respecting his marriage with miss gray it was no longer to be a secret it would take place even within a few weeks with many particulars of pre preparations and other matters one thing especially I remember, because it was served 
to the identity of the man still more because it served to the identity of the man still more as soon as the ceremony was over they were to go to Combe magna his seat in somersetshire my astonishment but it would be impossible to describe what i felt the communicative lady i had learnt on inquiry for i stayed in the shop till they were gone was a mrs ellison and that i have since been informed is the name of miss gray's guardian it is but you have likewise heard that miss gray has fifty thousand pounds in that if anything we may find an explanation it may be so but willoughby is capable at least i think he stopped after a moment and then in a voice which seemed to distrust itself and your sister how did she her sufferings have been very severe i have only to hope that they may be proportionably short it has been in its most cruel affliction it has been it is a most cruel affliction till yesterday i believe she never doubted his regard and even now perhaps but i am almost convinced that he never was really attached to her he has been very deceitful and in some points there seems to have been hardness of heart about him ah said colonel brandon there is indeed but your sister does not i think you said so she does not consider it quite as you do you know her disposition and may be believe how eagerly she would still justify him if she could he made no answer answer and soon afterwards by the removal of the tea things and the arrangement of the card parties the subject was necessarily dropped mrs jennings who had watched them with great pleasure while they were talking and who expected to see the effect of miss dashwood's communication with such instantaneous gaiety on colonel brandon's side as might have become a man in the bloom of youth and hope and happiness saw him with amazement remain the whole evening more serious and thoughtful than usual End chapter eight well my goodness um so marianne is still very very much affected and mrs jennings a chatterbox and colonel brandon is serious none of this is especially new news um <laughs> these characters are pretty well established um none of that should be too surprising to us readers um but yeah i i finding out willoughby's motives was pretty interesting so i mean we know from reading this so far that this family of four are trying to live on what do we say 500 pounds a year and here willoughby's marrying a girl who at her marriage has fifty thousand pounds i mean he's hit the jackpot um i think the only other comparable fortune is i think in pride and prejudice um, Georgiana Darcy, uh, Mr. Darcy's sister, has a fortune of forty thousand pounds. So even Darcy, who's a modest millionaire, his his sister had ten thousand pounds less than Miss Gray. So Miss Gray is kind of ridiculously rich. Um, so yeah, so I you know, but that doesn't fit at all with the Willoughby who's all romantic and stuff, you know? He's talked such a good talk 
And then he went home and or he went to town and suddenly was like, oh, yeah, money would be nice. And he gave up on Marianne. I, I don't know. It sounds so. I don't know. So not like the, the romantic though. He wanted to believe that he was. It's it's very disappointing. Um, sorry, I just had to sneeze. <laughs> uh, so yes, we'll, we'll be marrying some rich girl that apparently he'd been in a flirtation with or something since he got to London because apparently he'd been secret for a little while and then was finally settled. So I don't know. There's probably uh, more to that story. Um, interesting to find out if he was already sort of attached to her before um he met Marianne like I don't know we we're gonna have to find out more about specific dates to find that one out but uh yeah Mrs. Jennings has decided that Marianne's just gonna get over Willoughby lickety split here and then oh well she'll fall in love with Brandon because you know why not it just that just doesn't seem like Marianne at all uh it's very odd. And I, you know, Colonel Brandon's so serious right now. He's got a lot on his mind. This whole Willoughby thing has not made him happy. He really liked Marianne. I can suspect from this point what we know of him that it's, uh, he's taking it personally. You know, that, yeah, she wasn't my girl, but she was a nice girl and you were mean to her. So I think he's mad at Willoughby. We'll find that out about now. Love child. Ding, 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 ding. Now you've got the interest of the modern day audience. See, you can't read a romance novel these days without there being a love child tucked in there somewhere. And, you know, the hey, love child. Okay, now, now you've got my attention, Mrs. Jennings. Eleanor, very politely, very appropriately, did, chose not to gossip on and figure out what she meant by love child and so forth. Um, but yeah, so, um, mate, we have questions now for the Colonel. We have things we need to know. Um, he's such a sort of buttoned down man. He doesn't seem like the type who would end up, I don't know, with a love child. Like, I mean, okay, well, he's, you might say he's a man. He's a natural human being. Of course, he has desires and wants. But yeah, but at the same time, he's a very, I don't know, grave individual almost. You, I, I have trouble picturing him with a mistress who would, you know, let an accident like that happen, that there would be a love child somewhere. But I could see him being definitely the type of man who would take care of a love child and, like, not, you know ignore the fact that he had a duty and a responsibility so uh anyway mrs jennings has hinted at something that is going to probably come up again in the future so we're talking about it now well i was going to record the another the next chapter chapter nine but um i was super tongue-tied there at the end and ah uh, chapter nine's like a 10 page chapter i just don't think i'm up for it tonight guys so uh it's gonna be just one chapter day all right, well, choices have been made. Um, I have to be up ungodly early tomorrow. So uh, provided that the day doesn't get any weirder than the last you have been, I should be able to do my two chapters tomorrow as per usual. Um, I don't know whoever you are, but my I always have like 
as soon as I upload, you know, a couple hours after I upload, I have two listens already. And so I don't know who you are, regular listener person, but I love you. And that this is for you. My daily, my upload today did not get skipped just for you. I hope you still enjoy it. And everyone else, yeah, you're there too. I like you. It was especially for that one person. So, uh, I wish you all a good night. I'm so tired. You guys have no idea. I'm like falling asleep in the middle of this. I really need to get off. It's so hard to say goodbye though. Uh, so I will just say goodbye, good night, and good luck, I guess. Dang, I didn't mean to end it with that sign off, but that's where we are. So, good night and good luck. <laughs>